welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 15th of July 2017. And I'm delighted to start this diary after what seems like forever, revealing that I've written 5,000 words a day and I've started my next book. Now, it was always in the plan to take a break between the books because I've got editing to do and then other things that have to be done. And also I needed planning time and thinking time. But actually, I've been a little bit antsy. I'm really, really pleased to have started writing a book again. But it wasn't without drama. I have been panicking about this book. Uh, I did about the last book. It's ridiculous. I look back at the last book that I wrote, Burden of Guilt, and uh, my editor, Helen Fasal, got back to me this week and she'd had a look at it. She's given it her first read. She gave me, you know, positive feedback about it. She was really enjoying the story and all of that. And when I think about how much I was panicking and flapping about that book and before I decided and committed to the, the storyline, it's been the same with this book. Now, I've had a storyline floating around for ages and, and provisionally it was called Gated. And I had the story and I got it all planned out. I got the characters cast. I used the novel factory to do this and it was all ready to go. And at the last minute uh, with the last book, I bulked, thought this story isn't right yet. So I wrote another one. I wrote Burden of Guilt, which formed very quickly in my head. And it's the same with this one. I've had a couple of storylines floating around. I got quite excited about a sci-fi uh, story. So I think I'm going to write that. I need strategically to write a thriller next because then it gives me uh, six books in sci-fi and six books in thrillers and I can carve those books up then into box sets and, and make more money on the box set so I, this has to be a thriller next however tempted I am to write a sci-fi next it's got to be a thriller um, strategically it has to be uh, so the next book up to Christmas could be the sci-fi book and I want to write one more thriller so I need to write one more standalone thriller one more standalone sci-fi and then I got all the permutations that I need to, to market both genres of books. Now, of course, I could be marketing them and selling them before then, but that, that's the compliment that I want to reach before I reconsider what I'm doing with the writing. So this has got to be a thriller. Uh, and I was saying to you, I think it was last week, I'm very tempted to do sci-fi next, but I can't do it, not strategically. So that's getting parked till the, the last quarter of the year. So it had to be a thriller. I'd got an idea which was left for dead. And I I tied that down in the planning. So it's cast... I did the plotting of the sequences. I came up with the location, but I bulked this morning. Would you believe I was going to start writing that this morning and I bulked and I had to get up early today because I had to take the car in for an MOT. So I had about an hour. Um, I showered early so that everybody could go through the, the bathroom. So I, I had an hour before we all got started and, um, I just sat down and had some inspiration about the gated idea. Now, the reason I hadn't written gated was because I hadn't got the location right. Um, it, it, one of the main characters is, is a sort of tech millionaire and I didn't want it. Uh, apologies if you're listening in America, but I want my books to have a, a, a sort of an English feel. I want them to be English thrillers, not American thrillers. Now, I'm probably cutting my nose off to spite my face with that because, you know, frankly, more people buy me in the USA. But I wanted them to have that that English thriller feel. They you know they are set in the UK because that's the setting that I know. And I might I might go to writing in the states later, but that's what I'm doing for now. And I couldn't find the right location. I, I don't know where it came from today, but I have absolutely found the right location. And um, I needed somewhere 
really, it's it's nothing like. And then there were none. Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. But but I, but it's that scenario, that scenario where a group of people are caught together in an environment that they they can't get out of a claustrophobic environment. So the plot's nothing like that. But but the the setup is something like that. And I couldn't sort of find the right environment for that. But I, I have now, and um, I'll put a link to this on the show notes for this week. But effectively, there are in the UK there are these things called the Solent Forts. They're defensive forts which are about one and a half miles out to sea, um, and they obviously they were quite ugly concrete things when they were built in World War Two. Um, but entrepreneurs have bought these things. They've they've made them into luxury hotels, and they have helipads and things like that. So it's the perfect place for a, a you know a tech a UK tech millionaire to hold a gathering, and that's what I wanted. So having discovered these things, it's all right, that's it, that's it. I got the setting, I got the story, I got the characters. And so this morning, you know, really at the last minute with an hour to go, I switched stories uh, from uh, from what was going to be Left for Dead and I switched it for, for Gated, which I'm I'm calling now One Fatal Error because, again, what I want my books all to have is a, a three-word title so the work the working title is is one fatal error um for this book it, it it might change but it you know it's fine i just need to do a little bit of a research just to see how many people have used that as a title but i think it'll be one fatal error or something similar to that um and and so i'm off and i sat down i wrote my five thousand words a day um it was not a, an easy writing day because I, I had about um i the car went for its mot today and i was tempted to start this podcast diary this week with just a moment of silence for the car because if you're in the UK and, and you know about MOTs if you're in the MOT zone you know that you take the thing into the garage and keep your fingers crossed that it's going to come out with a certificate to let you drive it for another year you know, at the moment I'm driving a car that my brother gave me about three years ago and because uh, I got sort of three kids we need a we need a bigger car and because my kids are leaving over this year and next year I just need to squeeze another year out of this car that's all I need to do I need to squeeze another year out of this car then we can move to something newer and, and smaller just for myself and my wife and, and the child who, who will be left and need running around and um, so I just want to hang on to it for another year if I can I just need to tease another year out of it um, but I had a big bill on it today and um, that's a long way round of saying that while I was writing today, I had to leave my phone on, which I don't usually do. Usually everything's unplugged. I don't answer anything. Don't look at emails until the writing's done. I had to leave the phone on today. And what a distraction that is, because uh, I, I don't do that. I turn the volume off. I ignore my phone. I don't care. You know, I make people leave messages before I answer the phone, because usually it's something non you know, nonsense and a waste of time. So I screen all of this stuff. And um, my phone was making noises every time emails arrived. And I got fo- four phone calls from the, the garage, you know, updating me on the bad news and pricing up the work for me and all these sad things that happen when you've got a car in at the mechanics. And, and there was a lot of distraction there today. So so let me say to you, if, if you have things on when you're writing, turn the blasted things off. You know, that's a one-time thing for me. I, I had to do it because I had to get there over two times today and I wanted to start writing. But there's no way would I work like that with that number of distractions. Uh, you know, most of them fairly pointless. So everything gets switched off when I write. I just I just managed to squeeze the 5,000 out today, 5,036. And I am going to be writing tomorrow as well. So we're going to launch straight into this book and get, to, what is it, 20% of it done um, in the first couple of days. But as I say, this book's been plotted out for four or five months now. It was just really finding that location that made me think, yeah, that's it. I got this now. And um, that book came to me. So the other book, the thriller that is plotted out but isn't going to get written, I'm just going to let that... 
um, percolate in my mind a little bit, and um, and it, it, it will it will come to, and I'll just get the little the little details sorted. It, it's ready to write, but it just wasn't quite there for me, and that's why I made the sudden switch at the last uh, moment. So it's very nice to be um, working on a book again, and I've had to do some really ninja planning on my planning sheets this week because um, I've got I've had a lot of corporate bookings and I've taken four new corporate bookings this week. And um, you know, as you know, uh, I, I could do a day's work at a corporate booking, and that's that's uh, an edit done, a book edit done, a day you know paid for. And this is why I need to do these corporate bookings because they're they're, they're lucrative, frankly. They you know they pay for they they bootstrap what I'm doing in my in my writing. So uh, unfortunately, the uh, the corporate day that I did yesterday, I think is going to pay for an MOT bill rather than a book edit at the moment. But uh, there we go. That's just how things go, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, I've got four new corporate bookings and um, th- th- I've got very few dates. I've, I- I've pr- promised them uh, that we'll take the kids out over summer. We've got a list of things that we want to do over the summer. Uh, I got, you know, I got other fa- family commitments, go to see my mum, going to do this Caledonian Railways trip uh, that we were going to do. Um, and then I got these new bookings, these new corporate bookings, and I want to get the writing done as well. And I've, I've got all the other things on my planning board. So I've had to do some really severe and extreme jiggery pokery with my planning. Um, but it has worked. It's interesting, you know, when, when you're really squeezed and people are saying, look, we can't, we can't do the corporate planning this day. Can you do it on a Friday? And Friday is usually my writing day. So I'm looking at the plan thinking, hang on, well, actually, I can move that to a Thursday, you know, because I'm free on Thursdays as well. And uh, and it makes no difference because we're in the summer holiday. So basically, it's been like um, playing Tetris, you know, trying to get all those shapes so that they all line up. And I have managed to line up the shapes. So the kids break up. I say the kids break up. My last remaining child, who's at school now, because one's just finished his A-levels and has been off for about three weeks, the last remaining child um, to finish school will finish school on uh, next Thursday. And then we're into summer holiday season. And I have managed to plan the summer and get all the bits and pieces done that I that I need to get done in terms of writing um, all the bookings that I've got uh, f- for work as well which obviously bring the money in to pay for the writing the covers and the the editing and we can get the the, the days out with the kids and the edits done and all on all of those things so I am relieved to say that summer is sorted now and I've started to take you know corporate bookings into September and October now which is which is great but these are just the struggles we have as an author, you know, I've got the, I do three days a week, um, which pays sort of the household stuff. I do the corporate bookings, which pay to keep the, the business going. The, the thing about a writer is, is that although it's wonderfully creative, although that we can make royalties for 70 years after our death with these books, although we're putting wonderful assets out into the world that can earn money for us for years and years and years, the, the problem is, and it's a small problem in business terms, but we have to put money in up front. So, you know, like, Largely speaking, you're up for £800 to £1,000 just to get an edit and a cover done. You're in for quite a lot of money before you even start. That money has to come from somewhere, unless you're very lucky and you're selling a lot of books fast. So you generally have to bootstrap that. So the corporate work that I do, the the individual days that I book, that's how I bootstrap the, the writing. And I say that's going to continue. It's uh, penciled until the end of March when I will review everything. But at the end of March, we'll have um, seven thrillers, seven sci-fis, and at least three, possibly five uh, non-fiction books. And I need to talk to you about the non-fiction as well, because I've been doing some non-fiction writing. I spent all last week um, revising my email marketing book, which I'm rebranding as a MailChimp uh, uh, book, a MailChimp how-to guide but it actually it's an it's an email marketing guide it also tells you how to do email marketing um properly as well 
And um, I never saw, I never tell you really about the non-fiction work that I'm doing, but I think, you know, last weekend, I probably wrote five to 10,000 words last weekend, but I, I never sort of count it on my calendar, uh, never tick off the, the tally on my boards when I do non-fiction. I can't tell you why that is, because it's still writing. Um, but yeah, I must have done about 10,000 words last uh, last weekend. And, um, you know, non-fiction just feels like such a different thing to me when, when, when I do it. And because this was refreshing a book and updating a book rather than writing it from scratch, again, I didn't add it to the, the word tally, but I probably should have done. Um, now, um, again, I, I'm refreshing a certain number of my nonfiction books and I'm prioritizing the books that have longevity. And, you know, talk about famous last words. So I, I, I've updated the WordPress book. That didn't take an awful lot of updating, but it did need some updating. And then last weekend, I went through the, the email marketing book, which is essentially a MailChimp book. And thought it wouldn't need much updating. And when I dug into it, I thought, oh, blimey, MailChimp's changed all sorts of things. It hasn't changed the interface, uh, interface, I'm pleased to say, but they've changed all sorts of things like, you know, automations are free now and they weren't free before. And there's something else that I found that's now uh, free in the free accounts that never used to be in the free account. So I actually had a lot to change and a lot to write. Anyhow, I didn't, I, I won't pretend, I really didn't enjoy doing that work last weekend because I thought it was just going to be a superficial tweak and I ended up doing more work than I wanted to. And, um, you know, I didn't sort of surface, I didn't pop my head above water uh, much last weekend. And I can't say that I enjoyed the, the writing, but I was determined to get it done because, you know, I'm on really tight deadlines over summer and I booked my oldest son in to, to do a, proofread of that uh, and uh, you know commissioned him to do it and to have it done by Saturday to, uh, to, you know today when you're listening to this so that when I finish my creative writing my fiction writing at lunchtime or so today I can then go back to the email book make the corrections that he's given me and then start processing that for Kindle and getting it ready for publication so I, I that's this weekend's project is to get another 5,000 fiction words done and then to get my non-fiction book uh, well ready ready on Kindle probably uh, but I'll probably have to submit it to create space create space will either approve it or not approve it and then I'll have to make the changes that they ask for if they if they do ask for changes um so um you know all sorts of things uh, going on but I'm also determined to get those uh, non-fiction book sorted uh, this week as well. Now, um, I booked a cover last week at Fiverr.com with the same designer who did my WordPress Unboxed series. And um, I kind of came into the typical, uh, what I find is a typical Fiverr problem. Um, and, and that is uh, the language difficulties uh, this week. And um, I, I basically sent the WordPress Unboxed cover and said, look, I, I want this. I want it in a different color. It's called MailChimp Unboxed. And rather than a WordPress kind of logo image, I want a, an email kind of image. And uh, I thought that was fairly straightforward. Uh, but I didn't like the, the design that I got back at all. It had a cartoon sort of chimp on it, which again, you know, w was fairly straightforward. But if you read the brief, um, the brief didn't want that. I want, they said I wanted the books to look like they're in the same series. So um, I, I don't really like thrashing Fiverr's uh, providers you know I don't like to sort of squeeze them into the ground because I don't charge very much for what they do um but I, I did have unlimited revisions on this so I did ask for a revision and say look that's not what I was after I want it to look like this one you know like it's part of a series I want it to be a different color so I described what I wanted and I kind of got it but it doesn't really look like it's part of the same series I mean it doesn't it doesn't and um so I'm in two minds about whether to use it I know you know, it's always like pulling back a curtain and being afraid of what you're going to see with Fiverr. Because I, 
I always hope, you know, that I'm going to get what I asked for. And sometimes you do. Most times you do. And sometimes you look at it and think, oh, no, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted at all. Um, and so it's, it's been lost in translation again, which is disappointing. So I was thinking when I was going through my disappointed stage, I was thinking, Oh, what am I going to do now? Uh, am I going to, you know, revamp the covers that I had on 99 designs? And I have what's called the PSD files for that. So without over geeking you that in, in Photoshop, um, when you get covers made, they're generally made as a series of layers. And I always buy the PSD file so that I can control the layers because I know enough about this. If somebody's done all the design work, I know enough to change the book title and to move an image around and things like that. If somebody's done the basic design, that's generally what I tend to do. I get somebody to do a basic design and then I, I kind of tweak it to exactly the way that I want it because I'm, I'm not a designer. And so I was sort of thinking, should I revert to the old covers here? I don't really like the old covers. You know what? I want, I want something a little bit more salesy on the covers. And then I, I kind of, I'd left that design that I got from Fiverr for a couple of days. I came back to it and I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I can use this. So again, I'm dithering with this at the moment, but I'm probably going to use the cover that I got um, from Fiverr because I just do, I do want something more eye catching. You know, it's not bad. It's just not what I wanted, uh, really. It's not what I asked for, really. So. And it, it does still look like part of a series, I suppose. Anyhow, that, you know, that's me wittering on about it. But I think the, the learning point from this with Fiverr is, is that, you know, when you get the job that you want, it's amazing value. Um, but sometimes you don't get the job that you want. And it's usually because it's lost in translation, uh, particularly with design work. Um, you know, if I have a frustration with Fiverr, it's usually that, that I ask for something and I think I'm being quite specific about it and I don't get it. And it's because somebody, you know, has not read it or interpreted it uh, correctly um, at the other end. So I do think with Fiverr, you know, because I, you know, I, I, I want these people to make some money from it. It's their living and I'm not paying very much for it in, in sort of, you know, English money. So I didn't squeeze the life out of it. I asked for one revision, which frankly was a fairly easy revision. Um, it was really just changing the background, removing the chimp and, and moving the main image. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe cost me $60, something like that all in. And by the way, I've got a 3D file and a PSD file and a create space file. So that's pretty good. That is pretty good uh, value in actual fact. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I won't squeeze any more out of it, but at some point I'll have to make a decision about the final cover that's going on that book. But these are just part of the ongoing frustrations that we have as, as indie authors. By the way, I just wanted to mention that I planned my new book and my old book, or say the old book that I, I planned four months ago in which I'm now writing. They were planned in a piece of software called the Novel Factory software. Um, at the moment, I use the downloaded version, but they're just about to launch a, a, br a browser-based, a sort of web-based, cloud-based version of that software. And I would urge you to check it out. I mean, I, I bought, um, I can't remember what it's called, Story Shop, that the, uh, what is it, self-publishing do I listen to this podcast, self-publishing podcast that those guys have released. And I just bought that sort of straight, straight out of the traps, really, because I assumed it would be brilliant. And I have to say, I had a look at it and I actually still prefer the Novel Factory software. Um, that's still my favorite tool for planning my book. So if you are looking for something for planning, um, take a look at Story Shop. I mean, you know, it all boils down to how we work and how our minds are wired. But actually, for my money, I like the Novel Factory software. That works really well for me and I'm continuing to use it. And I love it more every time I use it. Um, some bits of general news this week. That's the writing news. Um, you may remember me on these diaries saying that I was planning to record a sort of training series on how to use Dragon Dictation. I bought the software. I haven't got around to learning how to use it yet. I've had a play with it, but, um, and I was going to make a product around it because, um, like Learn Scrivener Fast, it felt to me like somebody needed to have a definitive 
you know, using Dragon software, this is the dictation software, somebody needed to release um, a definitive version of that software. Nobody had done it. And um, there's a guy called Scott Baker. He's written books on it. He has a blog on it. And and Scott now has, and I'm really pleased he did it now, rather than when I'd started recording this and spending time on it, he has actually recorded the School of uh, Training Your Dragon. He's released that course right now. Now, Scott Baker is the man to do this. He is the man who knows Dragon. He is the person to write the books and he is the person to do the course. Scott's used it for years. He knows all the tricks. He absolutely knows it like the back of his hand. So if I was going to do a course and I would have to learn it and do it, you know, I guess more from an academic uh, point of view, which doesn't mean I'd do a bad job of it. But, you know, in the way that Scott used it out of need, first of all, and then, you know, now uses it out of preference, I would have come to it more from an academic point of view. So again, that's a long way round of saying, you know, I ain't going to do a course because Scott's done one now. Scott is the man and I've just bought Scott's course because, <laughs> because why wouldn't I? You know, he, he is the authority on this piece of software as far as I'm concerned. And what was agitating me is that Scott hadn't done a program on it. Um, and so I was thinking, well, somebody ought to do a program on it. And so I think it might be me. Somebody needs to get one to market, but Scott's done it now and that's great. And I just need to warn you of this because this episode is being released on the 15th of July. Um, Scott's course has a $100 discount until the 17th of July. Uh, so it's going to be $297 when he launches it formally on the 17th. But I bought it, and you can buy it if you're really quick and you listen to this diary in time, you can get it for $197. Now, you know, I, act, I, I absolutely... Uh, you know, know that I need to, I need to learn dictation. I need to do more dictation because I, I know, you know, I, I don't type properly. I don't currently have discomfort from typing, but I, you know, I've got to do this as a long-term author thing. I need to learn uh, dictation. I'm hearing so many people talking about it and saying that like everything, it has a pain barrier, but when you've gone through the pain barrier, it's really good and you get a lot of words written. So I, this is something I'm absolutely committed to, not now, but in the you know, short to medium term future, I'm committed to it. So I just bought um, Scott's course. I, I know I want it. Um, I know that Scott's the person to teach it to me. He knows all the tricks. Um, so I've committed to that. And I have to say, if you're thinking about dictation, you know, get it with the $100 discount um, and uh, uh, get it now and buy it from Scott because Scott's the man to teach it. So, uh, you know, I haven't even met Scott, by the way. I'm not an affiliate, though. I was thinking when I've checked the course and decided that I like it, I'm probably going to ask him if I can be an affiliate for it because I have a feeling I'm going to be recommending, you know, him and his course quite a lot over the next couple of months and weeks. Um, but at the moment, I'm not an affiliate for it. But, you know, I would really seriously check that out if dictation is something you want to do. Um, just a little comment. The podcast on Saturdays, when I release these diaries... I think that uh, it's probably quite informative because when I release these diaries, I think not many people must release podcasts on Saturdays because my diaries are always in there. They're not in the, um, what do they call it? Uh, you know, you are noteworthy. Uh, that hasn't changed in iTunes since I started releasing my podcast, which is a bit irritating because it gives undue prominence to the people who've been stuck there for, for months and months and months on end. And then the what's hot, that does seem to change because you see, you know, all, all the, popular the big podcasts in there that does seem to change round um and then you've got the i can't remember what it's called but you've got the bottom you know the also rands which is where i go and my saturday podcast uh diary always ends up in there and i always get good numbers on on the podcast diary and i was thinking last week you know these diaries are not really the best way to be introduced to my podcast i, I think you kind of you know really you want to be listening to the interviews first because at least you know 
you know that, that there's some kind of level of of knowledge and ability behind the whole thing uh, and there's some sort of formal learning experience and i kind of feel that with these diaries you you sort of need to know me and hopefully trust me a bit before you listen to these diaries because otherwise they're just some guy wittering on about self-publishing and, and and frequently going off on diversions so if you listen to one of these diaries first off i think you might think hmm where have i landed you know have i landed on a different planet Whereas I always think that, you know, the, the diaries are best found once you've heard the interviews. So I was just, you know, thinking it through. And when I was saying to you that I'm, I'll be thinking about the podcast, you know, from March, uh, after episode 100, I'll be reviewing and thinking what needs to change. One of the things, you know, I might consider doing is maybe switching the, the interviews round to a Saturday. Because if I'm getting promotional prominence on iTunes on that day, simply because I'm releasing a podcast which gets some downloads, um, it would make sense to, to introduce new listeners to... Um, not not necessarily the better episodes, but the more kind of formal, more polished episodes rather than these informal um, diaries. So um, that's something I'm just going to consider. I just mentioned it to you because these diaries are about me sharing my my business and my author related thoughts. Uh, and if you've any thoughts on that, let me know. Um, you know, basically that if I'm getting free promotion from Apple, it makes more sense to hear the better episodes. But having said that, if you found me through these diaries, you know, let me know if you think this is a sort of acceptable, reasonably appealing way to engage with what I'm doing on the podcast by encountering these diaries first rather than the interviews that I do. I got my first Patreon payment last Sunday. It wasn't a big one, but I'm very, very grateful to the people who are supporting me on Patreon. And by the way, um, you know, it's I, I don't like Patreon. <laughs> As a user, I don't like it. And I'll tell you why I don't like it. If I support a podcast, this is a limitation with Patreon, actually, I should feed it back to them. I would very, very happily support the podcast that I listen to. But I really do not like weekly, monthly payments. So if I could pay to support a podcast, if I could give Joanna Penn $100 for the year, I would do that willingly. Um, but I don't like itsy bitsy payments coming out. I don't like that. It's, um, it doesn't suit my OCD wiring. You know, I like to know that something's paid up front. So I'd rather pay you a year up front for your podcast than to pay you bit by bit by bit. And that's the only reason I don't support podcasts on Patreon. I know it's a ridiculous reason, but that's why I don't like it. And they don't give me a payment schedule that suits me, but that's what I would do. I would support those podcasts with a year up front payment. That's what I would rather do. So I've paid it and it's done, budgeted and gone. That's how I prefer to do payments. I do it in my household arrangements. You know, I'm a fixed payments guy. I like to know what I'm paying and when. I don't like dribble, dribble, dribble payments. Don't like that at all. I never pay monthly. I always pay. If there's a product that says, you know, you can pay in four installments or something like that, I always pay up front for everything because I want to know that the payment's done and sorted. And that's why I don't use Patreon, even though I would very happily support um, podcasts. So I'm asking you to support the podcast via Patreon, even though I don't use the thing because I don't like it. Uh, not because I don't agree with the principle of it, but because I don't like the payment system. But anyhow, again, once uh, again, that's a long way around of saying thank you very much to the people who are supporting me on Patreon. But just a reminder that if you do want to support this podcast, you don't have to use Patreon. Um, if um, you'll notice on the show notes, um, you know, use my affiliate links. I always mark my affiliate links for complete transparency. So if you see a link on a page and it, and it it has a square bracket usually. It says my affiliate link. I let you know which are my affiliate links. But if you're looking at Scrivener, if you're looking at buying a piece of software, you could also support this podcast by buying through my affiliate links on the podcast download pages. You don't have to use something like Patreon. And of course, you know, the number one support 
is the free support, which is just listening every week, downloading, retweeting, you know, doing all the free things. That helps me, you know, more than anything. Um, so th- thank you very much if, if you give me any level of support. It's all appreciated. I went to a local event on Tuesday. Um, it was a Google Garage event, and I've never been to one of these. I just wanted to check it out and, and see. And um, there was a big takeaway there for me, and I just want to warn you about this as an author. The big thing from Google now is these SSL certificates. Now, you'll be familiar with these. I don't want to get over technical with you, but you'll be familiar with these. When you go to your bank or to Amazon or you make any kind of payment on a, on a legitimate site, you'll already be trained to know that you need to get that little green padlock, you know, in the top left-hand corner of the screen that says it's a secure payment. Well, Google now wants all websites, you know, including those who don't take any money, it wants you to have what's called an SSL certificate. Now, for people like you and me, these things can be free or they they cost very little. They're the lowest level of security certificate, but they're the lowest level of, of authentication that your site is owned by the person who says they own it. Very, very simple terms. Uh, it kind of authenticates the owner. Now, when you're a bank and you're taking credit card payments and things like that, you have to pay a fortune for this. But for you and me, it's it's free or cheap. Now, I just wanted to let you know, and, and this feeds into the last conversation I was having, that um, I recommend if you're setting up a website in WordPress, SiteGround. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy with them for hosting. I used HostGator for years. Uh, to me, for my taste, I'm afraid they went off the boil. So I, I ditched them, moved to SiteGround, and I'm very, very happily using SiteGround. And I'm recommending SiteGround to everybody that I teach WordPress to now. Now, the reason, the other reason why I'm also recommending SiteGround is SiteGround will give you these SSL certificates with no tech whatsoever. You just have to click a button for free. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's an open source system that they're using for the certificates. But if you go to selfpublishingjourneys.com right now, look at the tef- top left-hand corner of your screen, and you'll see that it has a, that little security mark. Now, Google is going to start dropping your website if you don't have that soon. And, and, you know, lots of people are jumping on board. All of us early adopters have done it. I did it a couple of months ago because I knew it was coming and I knew we we're going to have to do it. And these are the things that are going to differentiate the, the professionals from the amateurs. Because if you don't have that certificate, you're going to start getting these warnings from, um, from Amazon. Now, Amazon, I beg your pardon, Google. Now I was working, I was doing a corporate job with a specific company on their WordPress site yesterday. And when I looked up their site in Google and clicked from Google, it came up with one of these warnings saying this is an insecure site. And I was explaining to them how they needed to get one of these certificates and recommending that they migrate their site to SiteGround because it takes care of all of it without having to over geek it or pay people thousands of pounds to sort it. So again, you know, it's a long way around of saying to you, uh, please take this seriously. You need to get this certificate on your site it's gonna you know, people are gonna start getting errors on your site very soon that you've got to look untrustworthy you're gonna look unprofessional and if you want a simple solution for it just head over to siteground and my affiliate link for siteground is paulteague.com slash sg paulteague.com slash sg if you don't want to use my affiliate link it doesn't cost you any more to use my affiliate link uh, but i get a kickback from that if you do um just go straight to SiteGround. Just do a Google search for SiteGround. But I, that's the service I'm recommending at the moment. By the way, it's very cheap. Uh, less than £30, £40 a year for hosting, which is a really good deal when you look at what they throw into that. Final writing news. This is a long one this week. We're over 30 minutes already. Uh, final writing news is, is bad news, I'm afraid. Well, not bad news, but, you know, it's. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I'd been shortlisted in the Retreat West competition for Don't Tell Meg. It was the first chapter competition. 
And, um, you know, I got the Dear John letter this week. Uh, uh, very nice, by the way, very nice and very encouraging. The shortlist decision has now been made. I'm afraid your story has not been selected for the next stage. Uh, we very much enjoyed reading it through and it has a lot going for it. So please don't be disheartened. We hope to read more of your work soon. So, you know, a lovely Dear John letter. But I just wanted to update you on that to let you know that that's a, that's a no-go. Um, that, that, that little... That little glimmer of opportunity and hope has now receded and um, the Retreat West competition is, is going to somebody else. But, um, you know, my view is that you need to, uh, you know, keep throwing your hat in the ring. This is what it's going to be like as an author. Just keep throwing your hat in the ring and eventually some of it will stick. And so what I did um, was I immediately went out and entered the London Book Fair Awards. Now, I did say to you that I'm not entering book competitions, but um, the OCD part of me, um, the London Book Fair, they have a nice little event in London every year. And I think so far, what have I been? I've been also ran. And I think I was, I was, was I a bronze winner or something last year? I, I, I was, I was entitled basically to go out and get a certificate or whatever it was in London. And actually, I, I'm trying to win this thing because I'd, I'd actually quite like to go to this event, but I'm only going if I win it. Um, because it's nice. It's a lovely posh event. It's full of authors. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going in for all the other ones. And it is, it's not a beauty contest, but it is, um, it's one of these paid for competitions. So the Alliance of Independent Authors has a, a blog page where it, uh, it sort of says competitions you should enter, a comp- you know, where, where they're judged by peers and writers and competitions that you shouldn't probably enter. And I think it's, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's, um, I think it's just that, uh, the Alliance of Independent Authors don't generally favor competitions that are done uh, as a com- run as a commercial venture. I think that's really what their bugbear is with it. Um, but as I say, you know, because it's in London and it's in the new year, I've just, uh, I, I've just thought it's only, was it $40 to enter? Something like that. It's not a lot to, not a lot to enter, but I've just got a bugbear about this and, and I'm just trying to win, <laughs> trying to win this competition. So I go down to London, have a nice night out in London and, you know, see my brother while I'm down there and meet a few people and just make a nice little event out of it. But I'm only going if I win. I'm not going if I'm an also run. So I've been an also run twice now, but I'm going to keep going at it and see if I can get a win this year. Um, so I entered that, you know, rather than just uh, sitting there licking my wounds all afternoon. That's it. It's quite a long one. Sorry about that for this week. It's been lovely to, to start the writing once again. I'm very happy about that. I'm writing another 5,000 tomorrow. I'll update you on that in next week's diary. I really want you to make sure you're listening to Monday's podcast because I'm talking to Alison Ingleby next week. And I think, Alison, if you're listening to this, I think you're getting married today. I think it's today you're getting married. If you're listening to this, you should be getting ready for your wedding and have a wonderful day. I hope the British sun shines on you and you have a wonderful wedding day uh, today, or I know it's around this date uh, that you're getting married. But Alison is the guest on Monday's podcast. What better way to celebrate a marriage than be on this podcast? And um, I met um, Alison at the Manchester Amazon event, and um, she's just she's just finished her first book. She was writing it when I met her. And um, she's doing all the right things. You know, she's immersing herself in all the right um, circles. She's learning best practice and all of these things. And I said to her, I'd love to interview you for the podcast and follow your journey through. Now, you'll know we're also doing this with John Cronshaw, but John is several steps ahead of Alison. And one of the things I'm really keen to do on this podcast is not just bring you, um, you know, the people who are making zillions of pounds, you know, by re- releasing their latest 10,000 word book. I-, I want you to hear about it from all angles. And I want you to hear people from all stages, because the chances are you haven't written your first book yet. So I want you to to hear from people who've just written or are writing their first book. Well, that's Alison. And Alison gave up her day job. She's bootstrapping her writing business. So she's, she's, she's doing, um, copywriting to, to, to bring money in to pay for her to write her books. Um, and, and obviously, you know, she's, she's got some savings from her work, which are only going to last a certain amount of time. 
So I want to talk to her about all of that, how the writing is going and, and the editing. I think it was quite a tough editing process and she's learned all sorts of things from writing that first book. But it's a really, really informative podcast episode. So if you're really new to this, make sure you hear Alison's story. And as you know, we don't just do you know the good stuff in this podcast. We talk about the difficult stuff and the stuff that doesn't work as well, because I want you to hear it warts and all, not only from me, but from the people that I interview. I want you to hear the good, the bad and the ugly of this podcast, because you know that's real life. That That's that's what you get when you're in the trenches. So that's Alison Ingleby, episode number 72 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. That's coming up on Monday, the 17th of July. 2017. I will have another podcast diary update for you next Saturday when hopefully I will be telling you that I've written another 10,000 words since we last spoke. So for me, in the meantime, have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.